We're back in the Comedy Store booth, Comedy Store podcast. It feels like episode like 90, but I think this is probably like episode 8, something like that. Uh, the fourth, fourth one since we started doing it again today, we got very funny Mr. Kirk Fox here. Thank uh, you, Rick. Good to be here. Yeah, man. It's nice having you. It's, uh, this is the first time I've interviewed someone I got passed as a paid regular on the same day with. Was it the same day? Same, same dream. Uh, I, I just remember uh, you, you crushed. Uh, Mitzi was in. Everyone was scared. Everyone was running away. No one would go up. How did that work that night? I, I do remember it. Uh, I, I, I believe. I don't even remember a crush because what did we do? Three minutes? Yeah, it was a three minute showcase. Uh, she came in to watch Ari. She wanted to pass Ari. And uh, it was like told ahead of time if you come in and don't bomb, she's passing you tonight. And uh, then half the showcase list went missing. Just people like, no, I don't, I don't want to go up in front of her. Uh, you went up. I think we just jumped in there. Yeah, well, I was working the back door, and I was told I wasn't going to get to go up that night. It was employee night back then or whatever. So I, I was like, oh, I guess I'm not going up. I went and sat and watched you. You did really well. And then uh, she was loving it. And then I went back out to my post, like maybe two comics after that, cause the next couple guys ate it. You, you had a great line to start about how people were saying the crowd was bad, but you felt the comedy was bad. I think I, I do remember that. And that, that seems like something I would say. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of the comics don't like you, but I, I think that might just be their material. Yeah. And I just remember looking over at Mitzi like, how is she going to take that? Just giant smile on her tiny little That's face. Just like, that was uh, like, that yeah, they're bad. Ago. Yeah. Um, I do remember this, that... Uh, I wanted to get my name on the wall so bad. Yeah. And I said, now we can, now I can get my name up there. And they said, actually, there's, there's about a hundred names. Yeah. We haven't, we haven't painted them on the wall in 10 years. And I said, what has to happen for, for those names to get on so that we can get to me? And they said, well, we need, we need money. And I said, I'll pay for all the names. Yeah. I remember that. And uh, I think there was a hundred names. And it was $13 a name. Which is a great price for a name I thought painting. it was. And so I wrote a check for $1,300. Yeah. And uh, next thing I know, everyone had their names up. And it was a big, yeah. it was a big day. I was pretty excited because uh, a lot of people, you know, been saying they got passed. I got passed eight years ago. I'm just, they're just painting my name today. I'm like, yeah, I, I got passed. Just wanted that name A couple up weeks. There. That was pretty awesome. Now, I mean... You were willing to dish it out for everyone, just just for, for me, just for you. That that seems like something I would do. <laughs> uh, I didn't have a mortgage or a family, right? And I think that's where I you were in on it. I think that's where most of my money has always gone <laughs> is to to things that would benefit me and and a few others. I like uh, you know it's like they do it every year now. They paint names up there, and people are just like yeah, is it, you know. Is it every year? Yeah, I think every year they do it. And uh, I just remember how excited everyone was. It's a little different when it's been a decade, and yeah, a hundred uh, names as opposed to yeah, four, you get like yeah, we're putting eight up on the wall today. But so who's passing people now? Uh, it's Adam. So Adam is he's Adam in is charge. The guy. Yeah, hey, I, he's done two showcases and. Uh, both times I was the comic, like they do the showcase now in the middle of the week, like it'll be a Thursday 
and like 1030. And is he passing people? Is this is this what's happening? Uh, he he passed two people the first time, and then one person the second time. All right. And uh, I felt bad. I had a great set one of the nights, and then I was like, "Who's next?" And they're like, "Oh, it's the showcasers." And I'm like, "Oh, have fun." That's tricky. It's always tricky uh, following you, Rick. You you move around that stage, and yeah, you light the room up. Yeah, I, I like to I like to set it on fire. That's how I, I like to think of it. I remember when we were doing all those late nights. Tommy always used to like us going back to back. Yeah, well, I got good energy together. He he'd like you to do a lot of crowd work then, and then I would get yeah. to the material, and it would kind of reset the room a little. Yeah, that's what he always say. He's got to, he's got to reset the room. After you've, you've got him a little riled up. But now I'm I'm bringing you up, so that's that's yeah. the evolution. We flipped it. Yeah, it was you know uh, last night, um, it, it was cool. Uh, Paulie went up, and then he brought up Argus, and then uh, Argus brought you up, and I was watching the crowd. Uh, Aaron Paul from Breaking Bad was there. Yeah, I heard that after the fact, which was which was good to know. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad I didn't know beforehand. Yeah, he watched Argus just with this bewildered look on his face, like, what, what is going on? Really? And then it was just loving you. That's... It was very amusing to watch just, like, someone's demeanor change, like, oh, okay, this is this Argus is has a been here a show. long time. He, yeah. Uh... He, I interviewed him uh, when, the first time we started doing Comedy Store podcasts, and he had a lot of interesting stories. What I found interesting was he loves to bring up the most random and really not that funny and uninteresting parts of incredibly great stories. But uh, the stuff he remembers, you're just like, are you covering up for something? Did something really intense We're happen? We're Facebook friends. We, uh, we talk on Facebook a few times a week, and because of that, when he brings me up, he's like, this is my best friend in comedy. Yeah, he, he did it, say. It's always a reminder. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I was always, I'm always shocked to hear it. I just feel I should be giving him more. <laughs> if yeah. I'm his best friend in comedy and it's just. Uh, well, you're his. He, there, you never. A few messages on Facebook. I, I like him. I've been, I follow him a lot. I, I find Argus to be very amusing. It's just interesting watching him do older an older bit for a young crowd. They're just kind of like, sometimes you could tell they just don't even understand when he does his Richard Nixon thing. I know the millennials. I, I try not like, to mention that. And I have to always bite my tongue. <laughs> now, uh, when you started comedy, did you start here? Did you go other places first? Where'd you first go? November 10th, 2002. Okay. On stage here. Nice. In the in the OR was my first time on stage. Did you have to sign up for open mic? Did you get a like a privileged friend of the club type thing? I, I think uh I was a privileged friend, but uh I had to I had to get there early and talk to Tommy. Right. Polly had mentioned it. I had written Polly Shore is dead. Right, right. With Polly. And how do you know Polly? I'd did... known Polly for ten years before I even told a joke here. Right. I met him at Helena's, which used to be Jack Nicholson's uh Oh, it was like the, club. the club, yeah. And this woman, Helena. And I just kind of met Polly there, and we just started hanging out. This was, I think, right before he got MTV. Oh, okay. So this is this is young, early Polly. Early Polly. So uh, that's when he lived up on Doheny. Right. Where landing patch where, or whatever it was. Yeah, where uh, 
Mitzi ran this empire. Right. All the comics would go up Doheny. Go to the party At the end of every night, they'd go up there and party. Man. But I remember uh, going up there. I had a 73 Opal GT, a little red car. It looked like a vet, but very tiny. Right. Opal. And I drove that up from San Diego. And I just became uh, friends with Polly. And you, uh, what part of San Diego did you grow up in? Pacific Beach, just, oh, okay. just uh, south of La Jolla. Did you ever ever frequent the comedy store down there, even to just watch a show no, or but, uh, pick I up chicks? To, I used to hang out with Paulie. Right. So I would go down there and sure. watch him. But I'm saying that I knew him for 10 years before, before you got I the... ever did a joke. I mean, I started stand-up late, 2002, so I've been doing it 13 years. Right. So I started in my 30s. And you would, and not my twenties. Uh, your your twenties. You were what? You were acting. I know you played some tennis. Uh, the the rumor about you was always that you were a pro tennis player at one yeah, point. Yeah, I, I played a little pro tennis and uh, couldn't focus. But when I came to L.A., I, I was just teaching tennis and chasing girls. Sure. And uh, teaching tennis to a lot of directors and producers. Oh, nice. And they just started putting me in their movies. Right. I, it's crazy. You'll be watching a random movie. I remember watching the movie uh, Mumford, which is a real kind of strange movie, independent film, I think. I mean, it, it got some play. I saw it in the movie theaters, but... I mean, Mumford was actually supposed to be a big movie. Lawrence Kasdan right. wrote and uh, directed it, and uh, Larry was a buddy of mine. I was his tennis pro. Right. So he put me in that movie, but I had already done Wyatt Earp with him. Okay. Because I was teaching tennis. So I went down to Santa Fe and did this movie for three months with Kevin Costner. And I was never really that much of an actor. I was just good at just being me. Right. I didn't, I didn't really ever do acting. Right. I I was good at looking like a cowboy. And, uh. Follow the comedian path of being good at being you. Yeah. I, I never had to say too much. But it, it was fun, and that was uh, that was in '93, I believe. Wow! Wyatt Earp may have been my first movie after this movie called Treacherous. Okay. With C. Thomas Howe and Tia Carrera. Nice. And I had been playing tennis with Douglas Day Stewart, who wrote Officer and a Gentleman. Wow! And he was going down to Mexico to do a little rewrite on this on this shitty little B movie. And uh, I said, man, I, I'd love to come down there. We could play some tennis. He's like, are you an actor? I'm like, yeah. So I, I created this whole resume. <laughs> I'd actually gotten my SAG card with Sean Cunningham uh, on a movie called House Four. Okay. And I just played a cop and I had one line. You've been a cop a lot. I always Ed, uh, Have you I, always had the mustache? Is that part of it? No. Because I think in Mumford you were a cop as well. I, I was uh, I was a cop in Mumford. Because I, I saw it when it I was would, out in theaters. I was a patrolman. Right. And, uh, and then, I, I always look good with a mustache. Yeah. But my dad had one. Okay. All the Fox boys have had mustaches. The, the Foxes are a mustache clan. When I shave my mustache, I do not work. Interesting. And uh, I, I never got work until I grew a mustache. And I have since, I, I book younger roles without a mustache now, but I, I, I auditioned for years, never got anything. And it's, the hardest part about doing the test, which was uh, a daytime talk show that I did for like a year and a half, 
It was on TV every day, lie detector, yeah. DNA drug test. Yeah, it was, it was like a funnier Maury Povich yeah, type of but, thing. But not as funny as, as they were hoping. But they put me in a suit and they shaved the mustache. And I had to wear my glasses. Lost the secret weapon. I lost the weapon. I, I never felt it comfortable. It adds a, an intimidation factor, I think. That I think Dr. Phil wanted to be the only one with a mustache. It's in his, in his contract yeah. with Hollywood. He and said no uh, other daytime mustache. He's up mustaches. against Steve Harvey, but Steve Harvey is black. So I guess you can have one, one right. black guy and one white guy, but... Yeah, it's uh, and his is like a caterpillar, so pretty it's, strong. It's but a, I would have, I would have liked to have kept the mustache. Now, did they tell you you had to shave it? They hinted at least, kind of. They wanted it gone. They they just felt it. They didn't want a '70s porn star. <laughs> Bad decision. Dealing with conflict resolution, relationship advice. I was, uh, I was in the middle of feuding couples. I think it. I think there was it a lot of drug addicts. I, I saved a lot of lives, but I I ended a lot of marriages. Yeah. Well, I, again, they were on the path. You just led them just where they're supposed them in to the go. Right direction, yeah. Exactly. Everything was settled with a lie detector. So I okay. guess. So I guess once again, I was uh, in the cop world. Yeah, it, it seems to follow you. It's uh, it, it's I a see good more role. Com- I seem more comfortable around law enforcement. Now, you, you talk about on stage uh, wanting to be a cop, and you have some great jokes about you going up and telling them why you want to be a cop. Is, I know. Is any I, of that I, true? Have yeah, you ever actually yeah. considered? All, all, all of that stuff is true. Uh, I did go to the police academy, and I was just, let's do this. And, you know, they had some questions, but I was asking all the right questions. <laughs> I was just like, listen, I just, I just want to. I just want to fight crime. I have a gun. I have a scanner. I'm just, you know, I, I don't, I, I'm undercover. I just want to chase drunk bitches. I just want to do it. I just, you know, I know you can become a cop at any age. I got a mustache and they were just looking at me like I was from Mars, but they were like, listen, first of all, you're saying all the right things. Yeah. I mean, you, you're ready to do this. You've done your homework. The guy and the guy even said, you know, I'd give you a badge right now. And I'm like, you don't even need to. I, I think I have one. <laughs> I mean, I, I was ready to go fight crime. Oh man, I'd love to see it. And I even I even applied to the FBI. I was gonna be a, a special agent. I, you know, I feel like they just wouldn't trust comedians in general. No, but this was before comedy. Oh, this is this is and they just thought. I mean, you were finding the way I was just, I, I was done wearing shorts cause I was a tennis pro, but after the Oklahoma city bombing, I was like, let me just go do something with my life. So I, I started the whole procedure. How old were you when you quit tennis? When I came to LA early twenties, right. I just had other priorities. Yeah. I always felt I was a movie star, but right. I just was just doing the acting classes and hanging out with movie stars. Right. You know, that, that's always been my thing is always to be close to the people that are, uh, can pull the strings. Sure. I mean, that's, that's a smart way to be in this town. That's probably why I was uh, running with Polly, but I, I probably should have reached higher. <laughs> yeah. You might've, I uh, had other friends, you know, Matt Dillon and I are close and I was always running with him. He's great. Eastside Morales. These are all guys that back then. Right. We are just out in the world having fun. Man, and then uh, you're single, but you've been married. I, I was married briefly to uh, Clint Eastwood's daughter. Right. And I don't talk about that enough, but that was pretty exciting. 
Uh, how long were you married? I like to say two movies. <laughs> but the, the gist of it is uh, we got married in Vegas at an Elvis chapel. By, For by, real? By a black Elvis. And I just really wanted, I was marrying Clint Eastwood. Right. Without question. Yeah. Like I was the first husband to try and take my wife's last name. I just <laughs> How do I get in on this? I just want in on this. And then at one point she was like, you know, I only married you because you reminded me of Clint. And I was like, well, that's, that's the exact same reason I married you. <laughs> that's a perfect. So, so let's just do this. Uh, but wow. it, didn't la- it didn't last long. I, I don't even think I ever. How long had you been together before you got married? We'd met in acting class. Okay. And I remember telling everyone, you know, I'm, I'm going to marry her. You have to follow just, your goals. I just wanted Clint. You know, I'd always loved Clint Eastwood. Yeah, he's great. Now, did you ever get to yeah. do family events with Clint? Yes, I mean, Clint loved me. We we'd eat, we golf. One time we were golfing, and he said, you know, if if you really wanted to golf with me this bad, all you had to do was ask. <laughs> it wasn't necessary marrying my daughter. You didn't need to marry Allison. And I remember one of the last things he said to me. I, I see him around, but he was like, you son of a bitch. And I was like, you called me son. That's Hey, that's good. That's all I ever wanted. Yeah, I mean, that's a solid I mean, could, feeling. Could you leave it on my answering machine? <laughs> but yeah, so I was married briefly, but I, I don't look at it as... It wasn't, there was like no, a, there was it wasn't no, a solid love. That, there was no property split. Right. Wow. Two movies, huh? That's crazy. Where did you, you met her in acting class, you said? I met her in acting class. Listen, I, I was a predator. <laughs> I, I still am. From cop to predator and back it's, and forth. It's, it's just a, that whole world. The ups and downs. Studied criminology in college and did some behavioral profiling. And now, you know, I spend time tracking serial killers. I saw that. I, you're one of the only people whose periscopes I've seen. Uh, you, you you stay on the case, which is, uh, I not? enjoy a continued I mean, plot line. Uh, I'm on it. Yeah. And some of the leads I'm finding are things that the LAPD didn't know about. And I have friends that are cops, so we're, we're kind of all working it together. Right. And they actually believe that uh, the serial killer is on Periscope. Now, how how did you not get the Colin Farrell role for the new True Detective? I think at the time I was uh, shooting Rush Hour. Okay. For uh, CBS. And when does this come out? I just well, I, I we, first we, heard about it from Argus bringing you up on stage. I know that was nice. Argus always likes to bring up something. Yeah, but uh, it starts shooting in August. Okay, we we shot the pilot a, a few months ago. Sweet, and uh, it's based on the movie. Okay, I played detective, and uh, it got picked up by CBS. So I think I think they'll keep me around. Keeping the stash. I, I got to keep the stash. Nice. Word on the word on the street is I I will be there. Beautiful, but lot could happen. Yeah, lot could happen. Who? Uh, this is the the Jackie. Is it Jackie Chan? Uh, Jackie Chan, Chris and, Tucker, uh, and Chris Tucker. Now, who's who's playing those uh, roles? Justin Hires, okay, a comedian who's who's here often, and this guy John Fu. All right, a kid from London. He's got some Chinese in him. Okay, looks like Orlando Bloom, but he oh. can fight. Wow. So uh, we're bringing in. Uh, the youth. Yeah. The kids. That's that's where everyone's going now. I, I think it seems to be. And and the old man detective, just the surly old man in the in the bullpen. Now, in the Hawaiian shirt. Now you can play the guy who who's been there and done that. Exactly. I and say I, he's I got the skills. 
But I, I would have liked to have been in True Detective. I feel I could have. I got the stash. Yeah, I mean, he, he. It appears as if Colin Farrell looked at your headshot and was like, "This, this is the look I'm going to go for." He's done that before. Yeah, that that movie he did uh, down in Miami with Jamie Foxx, didn't they do? Oh right. He had that mustache, but he was a drug dealer, I think. Hmm. He went a different direction with the mustache. Exactly. I, I when I had my mustache, I had a. It was one of the only times I had a manager for a while, and he. Uh, he sent me out. He's like, yeah, you know, you look like a drug addict and there's this part you're perfect for. So he sent me in. I, I showed up. Uh, it was for the pilot episode of Breaking Bad. Uh-huh. And so I show up. I'm just like, OK, I don't know what this is. He told me. It was, was it a, for the pool guy? Uh, n- and no, it was for um, the, the Mexican guy. Crazy eight. Jeez. And the casting person was like, what are you here for? And I'm like, uh, some sort of a drug addict. And she was like. Is it? I can't remember what the character's actual name was, but it's some very Hispanic name. Yeah, she's like, I don't, I don't think I can so send you in there. So you're you in just because of the stash? Just because of the mustache, and I had shaggy hair, so he he felt that I I would really look. That's what does it. The drug part. I always, uh, I'm always playing uh, pedophiles and sex <laughs> offenders, even on Parks and Rec, Sewage Joe. Yeah. Pretty famous for sending his dick pics to all the women in Pawnee. Classic. That's but what the mustache does, I guess. I, I always got blue collared parts, mostly. Like, I would audition for a commercial, and then I'd get called and they'd say, Yeah, you got a call back. And I'd be like, Oh, wow. And they'd be like, It's not for the same part, I like though. what you were talking about last night the fact that you look like every mass murderer. All of them. Every and time I, it happens. And I, I saw a picture of that guy today, and it. It was. It really it's looked like you. If you look at the uh, the guy who shot up the elementary school a couple of years ago in yeah. New Hampshire, wherever it was, uh, Newton. Uh, yeah. Frightening. Like when that happened, everyone was hitting up my Facebook page. Like, dude, I didn't know you moved to New Hampshire. I'm like, I. I, I mean, know. it is dead on. But yeah. that's, that's. It's like a skinny. It's the bangs, man. Yeah. The bangs and, are the sign. And the bewildered look of just the hatred. More, the, the straighter the line of the bangs. Yeah. The crazier. The, yeah, that's the truth. Is and, it guys? And, the, and the more hair on the back of a neck. Right. Yeah, a little flow out. Yeah. That's that, how that's, it goes. That's uh that's a tip. Yeah, I was yeah, d- d- note to all the perps. We know a little bit about you. Yeah. Uh when the Santa Barbara thing happened, that was the first time where I'm just like, "Oh, let's see what this guy looks like." And I'm like, "Oh. That's not me." Yeah. Finally. One that's not uh, me. That was the first one. But the rest of them, they always got school shooters. When the Columbine thing happened, I was a week away from graduating high school. Yeah. And immediately, like everyone, I had a hit list hanging up in my locker. But just like people, you know, I wasn't going to shoot them up, but they certainly wanted them to know that they were on a list. Yeah. And uh, did they what did they think when they saw themselves on a list? Uh, I, I think they just thought I was crazy, probably. But the assistant principal showed up. The day after Columbine was like, you got to take that list down. I'm like, what'd you wear in high school? Were you a trench coat? No, no. I mean, I was, you know, I wore, uh, cargo shorts and t-shirts. Really? Were you a cargo cargo? I was a cargo short guy. I was, uh, I was very social. You know, I wasn't like a weird goth kid or anything, but, um, I certainly had anger issues. I didn't have a, a form. And, how, and how's your anger issues now? It, it's better. I can yell at people on stage now and, you know, get it out. But it's, uh, I mean, I'm always going to be angry about things, I yeah. think. But just, you're married. 
I'm married. That that helps I do, too. I I I do like that side of you, and and I do like the fact that you're starting to write jokes, and you yeah, s- you seem to be. Uh, I'm trying figuring that out. I yeah, know, I know for years, Rick. I always said. Just write some jokes. I know. You're one of the people who who always were on me about it. I just it. wanted I like, you to, No, I don't need to. I just wanted you to have some uh, signposts that you can get to it if yeah. you need them. Yeah. Because at some point... I should have listened. I, I mean, I, I was just stubborn about it. And I was like, no, I'm going to do what I want. And Hollywood is going to buy into it. Yeah. And what, what I eventually realized was uh, Hollywood will buy into it, but not until... I'm something they've already bought. Oh yeah. They, so you, you got to get them on your side and then you, you can do what make, you want. You got to make them some money. Yeah. Somehow. Yeah. Before you, uh, and then they'll so, be like, Oh, this is brilliant. Look, yeah. he's off the cuff. But until then they just want to see jokes. They just want to see some jokes, but you can, uh, weave those in betweens. Yeah. That's if what you, I'm trying if, to if do. If you have a joke, you do a joke and then, uh, you do a little dance and then you get right back to a joke. Yeah. My happiest time is in between the jokes. Right. I mean, I mean and that's, that's how a lot of my jokes I've come up with was from messing around with stuff and something funny happening naturally for me. Yeah. I've uh, all, I've seen you do a, a riff sometimes and I've always tried to remind you of something that hey, there's a joke. You, you there. do. Yeah. You are. You're one of the only people that will watch me and then tell me after my set, like, yeah, I have no place to go. Can... I don't have a wife and family, <laughs> so I, I can stick around and uh, it, it's nudge seems... a few in the right direction. It seems that the, a lot of the comics with the wives are also hanging around, though, in, in an attempt to just, I don't know if it's they're pretending or just trying to... It's hard. You uh, you do not want to go home. Uh, I do not have a wife. Right. But I, I've put a ring on somebody's finger. So I think the natural progression is to eventually have to marry. Right. But we fight it as long as we can. Yeah. No one really... Wants to get married. <laughs> it's it's very possible. I just I just don't think it's. We it's, just it's a weird thing for men, guys, men especially. Are runners. Yeah, we we just we want to go out, but we also like to have a nice place to come home to and have a bath and the, and some food sometimes. Right. But our gut is to run. I, I've been running my whole life, but as you get older, it's like shit. You got to try something new, right? I mean, I'm I'm an old man, and I guess she's my fiance. I guess I've never said it out loud, but this is a girl you're seeing now. I've given her a goddamn engagement ring. Oh, okay, you were serious when you said that. I I, I didn't am, know if you meant like from before. No, she she does have a ring, and wow, she's a she wants to pick a date, but I do not want to pick a date. Yeah. That's but, uh, that's the ultimate given right there. But I did. I'd been with her five years. Oh wow! But it's just so convenient, right? She just lives up in Laurel Canyon, nice. so I don't know if I loved her or just how close she was to where I live. <laughs> like everything I do, I like to keep within three mile radius. Sure. You know, why venture I mean, my, out? My TV show was at Paramount. Parks and Rec, we shot CBS Radford. Right. I'm all in this in the comedy store. It's all within You want to keep three it miles. close by. I just do not like to go outside three miles. <laughs> and it's mainly because my car is shit. You but still, I'm not you ready still to got get the, rid of it. Of course I still You still got the Prius? It. No, it's a Honda Civic Honda Hybrid. Honda Civic, right. 2003. I just Man. can't. I can't shake it. 
Every time I want to go get a new car, it starts running better. Right. It's like a girlfriend you're about to break up with. She's getting a lot sweeter all of a sudden. Yeah, it's like, whoa. Extra blowjobs. I did not know you could make it up this hill. Is this this the same hybrid you've had always? Have you You moved from hybrid to hybrid? This is it. When I, I, I used to work here, and I parked cars, and I would, every time I would park your hybrid, I would get in it, and I would turn it on, and then I'd be like, I don't. How do I how do I turn this car on? That, it took me a long time to figure out. Like, oh, it's on. That's when it was strong. Yeah, that's when it it did those things. It was very. It was the now quietest it car I'd ever now heard. Now it's not that quiet. Now it's just very tired. <laughs> so it doesn't do the things that it probably used to when you were parking cars. Right. But I've had it since two thousand and three. Wow. But I just I still like it. Yeah. It still just gets me there. And I, 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 I loved driving on to Paramount because I, I had my own TV show. Yeah. And I was driving a 2003 a Civic Hybrid. <laughs> and I remember one time I asked the guys at the security gate, I was like, is anyone driving a piece of shit this, this, to, this old? to this level? Yeah. And they said, you know, Sean Penn drives a, an 87 Tercel. And he has since 87. So wow, I guess if so now I'm looking for like a, an '86. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta trump gotta, him. I just got a one up, Sean. He he actually tipped me the most of anyone that ever came to the comedy store. He tipped me sixty bucks. Parked his car right on the end of the wall. Uh-huh. It was just like, is there any way you can make sure it doesn't have to be moved? I'm like, yeah, just park it. If you park it here, I won't have to touch it. No one will touch it. And then uh, he came out. I think he was. He was either seeing Robin Williams do a headlining show in the main room or the Smothers Brothers. I can't remember, but really, yeah, he came out and uh, he, he bummed me a bunch of cigarettes. Like every time he came out for a cigarette break, he'd just walk over into the parking lot. You want to smoke? Give me a cigarette. And then at the end of the night, he gave me sixty bucks for doing nothing. Did you have a cigarette with him? Yeah, oh yeah, so I smoked you- back then, but I was so poor I never had my own pack. Yeah, I would just come up here and then. You know, I'd bum cigarettes from. So, do you remember what? Do you remember what you talked about? Uh, He talked about coming to the comedy store in the '80s, uh, the heydays, and the amount of drugs that were going on, and how he remembers there's so much coke here, and you could just come up to the comedy store, and you're guaranteed someone was going to give you a blast. He talked about the the old the mirrored piano. Uh huh. I was like, oh, it's still there. And he's like, get out of here. I'm like, oh, it's still there. He's like, I can't believe no one broke it. I'm like, it's probably been broken, but yeah, they just they resurfaced. It, they that just thing. put it back together. Um, I remember when when Polly and I were riding Polly Shore's dead, and there was a scene with Sean Penn in it, and that was kind of what Polly kept really just baiting me with. That right. was his bait. It's like, listen, you're going to have a scene with Sean Penn. And, and it was a great scene. Yeah. And uh, I remember it because it kind of just happened so quick that I didn't have time to panic. Right. Yeah, and we, were just, we just great... went up to San Francisco and we sat at a bar and then Sean Penn came in and we just kind of did this scene where Sean Penn was asking if, about Pauly Shore and I pretended like I didn't know Polly. <laughs> so in the movie, I was friends with Sean Penn. Oh, okay. That's and we awesome. We just did a bar, and he was like, I was watching this funny movie the other night. Some guy did the weasel. 
He's like, do you know this guy? I'm just like, no. <laughs> but in the movie, I'm Polly's best friend. Right. And then uh, it makes me it makes me want to watch that scene again. Yeah, that's awesome. That me too. And and I I do remember like it makes more sense now that since that was in the movie. But I I remember when I first was around, came around here, and you were around. So people were like, he's one of Polly's best friends. Yeah. Going, huh. But I never saw you guys together. And like if I saw you. To like here at the same time, it'd be like small talk, and then yeah, you know, Polly like, huh. kind of we're still friends, but I don't think we've ever really hung out right in years. Uh, we just you just go you just go your different ways. Yeah, I I never wanted to. Uh, I did the road with him a couple times. Yeah, me too. But I just didn't want to sell merchandise. I just my brain didn't want to do that. I never even really like the road that much. Yeah, I, I don't I don't either. like to fly. I'm 6'5". I'm really just... Yeah, I like that's, soft that's uncomfortable. Sheets. Yeah. <laughs> and I was... And like I said, I, I started comedy late. I think in your 20s, the road is a blast, but... Not really. I mean, I was 23 when I was going on the road to Pauly. And aside from, you know, being like, oh, we're going to get to chase girls tonight. Yeah. It was... It was nightmarish. I know. And he, I, he wasn't I, going to like New York or it was like we were in Brownsville, Texas. So even, and then even, back, even back then, huh? Yeah. And how old are you now? I'm uh, 34. So, so 11 years. So 11 years ago, he was still doing Brownsville. Yeah. Yeah. We were in Brownsville. I think we were like the fourth week that the club was open. I don't know if it's even still open, but it, it was. I did remember I went to South Dakota with him once. Yeah, I mean, he, the places he performs tend to be places where they still really love uh, Son-in-Law. Like, that was the that's the movie that everywhere we'd go, people would be like, Polly, you should come over to my house and we can make beauty, Son-in-Law. Man. That is the beauty. You can uh, you can ride one movie yeah. forever. Yeah, I mean, I, I know I saw something where they're talking about how it's one of the uh, most popular Highest rated shows on CMT or movies. Son-in-law? They, they still show Son-in-law and they, people just I love it. I remember I was in, in the Army now. Oh, yeah? So I got a little part in there. I think that was my favorite Pauly movie. Andy Dick and, yeah. and Pauly, but I, I do remember that. Man. Just I think I had one or two lines. My, yeah, it, my career has really consisted of a lot of just coming in and not doing too much. Right. My friends just... Always like to keep me around. Yeah, which is good. It, it means you're likable. And they're like, hey, just get Kirk there because we can hang out with him. And like, I remember what, The Patriot. Is that the, the movie you were also, in? Uh, I just remember being like, I think that's Kirk Fox. I was uh, teaching tennis to Dean Devlin, who uh, did Independence Day. And he was the right. producer of The Patriot. And Roland Emmerich was the director. And I was playing a lot of tennis with Dean. And they just, they want to keep their tennis pro around. <laughs> and I, it, it was Keep funny because uh, one of my early agents at, at UTA, and he was one of the heads there, I, I was teaching him tennis every weekend. And I started to think, I don't think they want me auditioning for anything that shoots outside of L.A. Right. Well, we're going to lose our tennis pro. And that's that's really uh, <laughs> that's really. That's really what it was, man. Every movie I did for the first 10 years was tennis-related. LA-based. Yeah. Tennis-related jobs. Because I did Wyatt Earp, and then I, I did 
the postman because right. Jim Wilson, Kevin Costner's partner, I taught tennis to. Oh, well, not taught, but we played a lot of tennis. Right. And they just want to have their, uh, they just want to have their tennis pro, someone that yeah. they can play tennis with on the weekends up there. Sure. And these are movies. Those movies used to shoot for three months. A couple months, yeah. They'd have the extended shoot. Budgets were out of control in the yeah, 90s. Yeah, I did, I did Wyatt Earp. I did The Postman. I did The Patriot. Those were all. Yeah. You do one of those and you you make your nut for a year. Right. But I never really saved. I, I never bought a house. I never got married. You know, I was just, I was that guy. You were, you were living the standard Hollywood dream in yeah, a lot of ways. just teaching tennis, chasing girls. Which is great. And uh, waking up when I want. Now, where where in America did you go with Polly? South Dakota, you said? Went to South Dakota. Uh, I did. Go, I think that may have been the only place I went with because I didn't want to sell merchandise. Yeah, I, I hated it. I just, I it still was, don't. I've never even sold my own. I don't even have merchandise. Yeah. Or CDs. I just. It makes me feel like I, I just felt slimy. And I sit there and, hey, get your weasel wear. It's a mental problem. I mean, I just, I never wanted to have to it makes It just makes you feel lower. I just, yeah. it's, it's good for some people. That, I mean, it's commerce. It's just never been my, my wheelhouse. I don't, honestly, I don't want to, I don't want to see the people after the show. Yeah. Like when I get done with the show, if I'm headlining even, I just want to go, I either want to go back to my hotel or I just want to sit yeah, in the green room until we're, everyone we're, leaves. We're different uh, beasts. I, I I had a tweet the other day. It was just, I said, you know, like if a pilot has a good flight, he'll stand outside the cockpit and just say hi to everybody. Right. But if there's a lot of turbulence, if, if there's a lot of turbulence, he'll just stay in the cockpit until <laughs> everyone leaves. Get them off. And it's just like a comedian. Yeah. Like if I have a good set, man, I'll hang out and just yeah say hi to everyone. Not but, me. But 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 that's just me. But if I have a, a shitty set or I just didn't connect or I was I'm mad at myself for not doing the joke, the new jokes I wanted. I right. Mean, th that's usually why I beat myself up. Right. I mean, I'm harder on myself than I ever need to be because I always. It'll I, keep you progressing forward if you I do that. I get so. enough laughs, but yeah. sometimes I, I get upset if I, if I don't connect. You don't want to fall or back. Or if I'm mean. Sometimes I'm mean and I don't want to be <laughs> just because when I'm mean, it, it seems like I'm really mean because <laughs> I'm tall and yeah, mustache. A lot, a lot of people don't know it's a joke. Yeah, I mean, but it well, you keep you keep a very serious face about it too. Like a lot of times when I'm mean to people, when I'm like picking on the crowd, I still have a smile on my face. So I think they know I'm joking. Like I've seen you rip into someone before, and you give them you give them that wider stare. I do not. I I I should I should. Twinkle. <laughs> if I don't twinkle, it's no good because I'll keep attacking. Yeah. And, yeah. It, and it backfires. I mean, the only, the worst time I ever had, I've only had one in my life, just one heckle story. Oh, like where you were getting heckled? Well, yeah, that, that I, I didn't handle it 
correctly. It was just like the perfect storm. Right. And it was down in the OR. Yeah. And uh, it was on a Friday night. And I had uh, I had just kind of showcased down at the improv in that little side room for the for, lab for Letterman and and Brill was there and just some things were brewing in my brain. I just I I wasn't enjoying my jokes. Right. They just really felt jokey. Like God damn it! I'm so just, contrived. I'm and- just so full of shit. You know. <laughs> You know what happened? You know, no, it didn't. Yeah. It didn't. It didn't happen. And instead of being okay with, wait, these are just jokes. Yeah, this is, how, o- this is how it goes. It's okay to tell jokes. Yeah. You know, it didn't have to really happen. You're just you're just selling it. Yeah. But for some reason, before I went on stage there, Skippy Simon was just. Uh, he was like, "Man, I love that character you're doing." And it just, for some reason, it stung. Right. Like I, I don't want to be. Like, I'm not doing a character. I don't want to be a character. Right. I, I don't think the greats are doing a character. It's like, do people really think that I'm a character? Hey, what's up? You know, and I'm like, shit, man, that, that, that feels. I'm a fake motherfucker. Yeah. yeah so I went, I, I went on stage, and and the guy before me, Kyle Dunnigan, had done some uh, some stuff with the microphone and some beatbox and you know he had done a lot of shit and it was right. still up there when I got up there so I kind of did a couple minutes about that and then I started my jokes and I bailed out on them I just I was still funny because I was in the moment of hating my material and hating myself and right but I was making it funny and then afterwards you know Eddie Brill was like you know that was great but you know you didn't do any jokes. Tell any jokes. Yeah. Like I know, man. I just but thank you. But I I felt okay about the set. Right. Because I was It was funny. Because I was funny yeah. and pissed and was yeah. Kirk Fox. And it was real. Yeah. So then I called Tommy. Do we have time to finish this? How oh yeah, you? we got we got tw- plenty of time. So uh because it's comedy store related. Yeah, oh yeah. You know, we so, got we got I, I just got a text and I was looking at Okay, man, you're allowed to drift. I'm just trying to stay on point here. Yeah, you called Tommy, old talent coordinator. So I called, I called Tommy, and uh, I said, "How's it looking?" And he's like, "You know, my spot was at 11:30, but I must have called him at like 9:30. Right when I got out of the lab, and he says, "Hey, man, if you get up here right now, uh, you can go up. There's no one here." Right. Okay. I'd love to get up there. Get up early. Hell yeah. Yeah. That'd be great. So I didn't stop to eat something. I always try and get a little food in me to keep my brain active. But I was like, okay, I can make this. I don't think I'm diabetic, but you know how it is if if you don't eat. I'm definitely hypoglycemic. Right. And uh, so I, I drove up here as quick as I could. And I got here and I parked. I came in and Tommy's like, oh, shit, they all showed up. I'm like, oh, okay. But meanwhile, my car's parked now and I'm like, all right, I'll just, I'll tough it out. Right. And the, I just hate waiting. Yeah, I hear you. I'm not good at waiting. Me neither. So I kind of started waiting. And while I was waiting, I made the mistake of watching some great comedians who were Talking about real shit, you know, Sebastian was being Sebastian and yeah. talking about 
some things that were bothering him. And Tim Allen was in the back row and I had just auditioned for a movie that he was doing and it got real close, but I didn't get it. Right. So I was kind of talking to him for a minute, but just things were brewing. And uh, Sebastian killed and I, wa- I was sitting next to Tim Allen and Tim was just laughing. And in my brain, I was like, fuck, I don't have any jokes like this. Mine <laughs> are just jokes. And Sebastian, he is a character, but I mean, that's really him though. Yeah, but it's really it, him. That's him. Like you talked him off stage. It's that's it. Oh yeah. He's that's, disgusted by listen, everything. He's, he's, he's completely great. owns yeah. himself. He does. So, uh, then I watched a couple other guys and then Steve Byrne went up and he had been down at the improv also. And, uh, Steve didn't have that great of a set. He kind of was turning on the room a little. And this, you know, this was 08. This was seven years ago. Right. So we're all a lot younger. And he he didn't have a great set. And at the end, he was kind of attacking them. But then he brought me up. And I was feeling off, man. I felt like, you know, I had a little anxiety that I'd never really felt before. And, man, a little, I felt a little panicky. And then I was like, oh, shit, I haven't eaten, but that's okay. I can, I can make it through, Get through the, 15. And- yeah, I can, <laughs> I can do my 15. And I went up there, and it was a packed room. This is Friday, 1130. And the first thing I said was, oh, it's, it's nice in here. It's quiet. I like that, you know. And then someone in the front row, sitting in the front row, went, ha, ha, ha. And... And I looked down and there was just a guy and I'm like, did you say, did you say something? And he's like, ha, ha, ha. And he was with two other guys and it was just stage left. Right. So I started a joke and I was just getting nothing from the room. I I just, I was hearing my voice. There was an echo in my head. I was talking about a friend who wanted to buy a car. And in my brain, it was like, no, this is all bullshit. No one wants to buy a car. Who's Kirk Fox? What are you doing here? <laughs> it's like, Why can't you be like Sebastian? You know, this is all in my a head. Full it's psychological like, attack oh, on yourself. God. It's like, well, what do you feel about life? Why? Yeah. Why are you? Show them who you are. Yeah, Don't why are tell you this, jokes. Why are you this age and have an apartment? Why do you have a roommate at, you know, f- 38, you know, right. what, just the whole world. And then I started talking and the guy was like, ha, ha, ha. And I was just like, Tommy, get these, fu- get these fuckers out of here. And they were like, what? You know, <laughs> they, they couldn't believe that I was throwing them out. There was like three guys and the rest of the room didn't know why I was they, throwing yeah. s- someone out. They just think like, oh, this comic's a jerk. He's, yeah. They're just sitting there. Yeah. They didn't like his jokes. So, Yeah. So they left, and as was, as one of them was leaving, you know, there was two black guys and a white guy, and as one of them was leaving, he just, you know, he yelled some, you know, yelled the n, yelled the n word a few times sure. at me, and that's uh, a tough one to respond to. Well, it was especially because it was shortly after the the Michael Richards. Yeah, thing. it was yeah. all in that ballpark. It was a fresh, so stay room, away from the it. The room is just silent. And then I started again, and I kind of, I was off kilter. Yeah. I said, then I said something again to the audience, and then someone in the back row said, 
you're projecting. <laughs> and it was just like a sniper. It's like, oh, my God, straight to the heart. And I was in my brain, I was like, yeah, I, I yeah, I, I am. <laughs> and then the room started spinning. And I was just, like I was this. having an, a panic attack or anxiety. Yeah. And I called Tommy. I was like, Tommy, who, who's next? And he's like, what? I'm like, who's next? I got to get out. I was just like, I got to get out of here. And he ran outside and he found Steve Renazizi. And Steve came in and, and he just came on stage and. And the whole thing took three minutes. Damn. That whole story right there. <laughs> Full chaos for. Was three minutes. I was supposed to it do. It felt like an hour probably. I was probably, supposed though. to do a 15 minute set. Yeah. But the whole world just crumbled in on my brain. And it was just like a hypoglycemic crumble, uh, self-doubt. But that was in 08. And for the next two years. I was, that uh, was always on my mind. Right. So every set I did for two years, I was always like, don't let this happen. Th this could happen at any minute. Right. So I'd always have to eat a banana and I'd have some OJ cranberry juice, which okay. I still do. Yeah. I, I still always have a little sugar. It's got the energy. Make sure you don't. Well, just drop to make out. sure I, I have it. Yeah. So I don't know what happened. It, it never happened again, but it was always on my mind. And then later that year, I did The Tonight Show with, uh, with Leno and killed it. Really had a great set. And that just kind of got my brain back, back on track. Yeah. And then just a lot of shit was brewing. I got, I got heckled one time. The only time I can think of where it was like, I just lost control. Same in the OR. It, it's, it really is one of the, I, I, it's my favorite room to perform in, yeah. but it's tough sometimes. And I know lots of comics are just like, I won't, I don't, won't even perform there. But to me, it's like, yeah, that's but, where I grew but, up. So, but you, but you can attack. Yeah. Your response is precise. Yeah. Well, I, I, I followed Ahmed Ahmed and he'd gotten into, a heated back and forth with a couple of dudes sitting in the corner by the window. Yeah. And he probably bailed at about nine minutes. Really? He, but, he, he ran. Yeah. He was just like, you know, fuck this. And then, for whatever reason, I don't remember who the doorman was, but, uh, Ahmed kept going, no, they're, they're fine. Just let them be. And then the dudes just kept on him. Yeah. So he finally was just like, all right, I'm not doing this. Uh, who's next? And they were like, uh, Rick Ingram. And he's like, Oh, great. He's like, I'm, I'm glad this, I'm so glad that this guy's next. Cause he's yeah. going to tear you guys apart. And that's I got the, up there. That's the worst thing you ever want. <laughs> yeah. It's like, here's the, the greatest comedian in the world. Oh God, please. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. And then just to me, it'll be like, Oh, this guy, he's going to shred you guys for doing this to me. Yeah. It never happens. So then I, I got up there and I didn't even get a word out. And these guys were just yelling. And I tried to shut him down and uh, I made fun of him some and the crowd was totally uh, against him. Like you could tell the crowd was generally just annoyed that these guys were had free reign of yelling whatever they wanted. And 
so I just I, I made fun of them for a couple minutes, and the crowd liked it. And then I started trying to move on to the crowd, and then they just kept just kept yelling. And did you stay up there the whole time? Yeah, I lasted my the fifteen minutes, and like the last. So that's six the minutes. only time you've really been heckled. Yeah, where it was distractingly bad, and then they just kept yelling, "Quit talking to people, tell jokes." And I was like, I go. I, you don't control my set. I do whatever I want up yeah. here. And then one guy kept going, this isn't a weekday. This is a weekend. And I go, what are you talking about? Wow. What, what do you think? Yeah. Why do you think that that's the rule? You know, I go to a lot of comedy shows. You don't do crowd work on the weekend. I go, what the fuck do you do? He's like, I'm a dietitian. Like, you're a dietitian. And do you, you not, think, do you not give diet tips on the weekend? <laughs> yeah. Let's go. What, what are you talking about, man? You have no idea what you're saying. Just because you think something should be one way. Yeah. Doesn't mean that's the way it is. And at this point I'm just getting preachy. Like I just want this guy to know that he's wrong. I mean the heckle man, it, it's, it's a tricky, it's a tricky lane to dance in. It, and, uh, I got off stage and rent is easy was there as well. And he was like, dude, what the fuck, man? We should fuck those guys up. Yeah. I'm just like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm not, gonna, I'm not a fighter. So I'm just like, I'm not going to fight him, whatever. Uh, and then we're standing out front and we see there was uh, I think it was two or three guys. I think it's two guys and a girl and the girl comes out and she just walks out the front and just looks right at us. And she's like, uh, she kind of laughs or something and then goes back in, I guess, sits down with him or whatever. We're sitting up at the front bar now and walk by and the dude starts knocking on the window yeah. I'm out on the front bar. He's still inside and he flips me off or something. I'm just like, he's knocking on the window, knocking on the window to get my attention. Wow. And, uh, flips me off or something. I'm like, I'm sorry. Giving him like the, I'm right here, man. Yeah. Let's do this. And this dude probably could have kicked the shit out of me, but I'm mad enough at this point. I'm just like, whatever. Yeah. I got, and you got 30 the, of my friends and you here. You got all the comics <laughs> yeah. ready. So, uh, dude sends his girl back out and she's like, uh, he doesn't want to fight. You know, he, he's just messing around and he's drunk. And I'm just like, you know, the dude's being a bitch. If he's going to fucking interrupt the show for everyone. And when was this? God, this is probably uh, 2007, 2008. Yeah. And, 2008. Uh, that's, that's when it that's went down. It's a prime year. Yeah. That was a good the year. year of the heckle, apparently. The year of the heckle. Um, and so at this point, Don Barris has shown up. And I'm standing in the front with Don and Ren Azizi and a couple other people. And uh, Don's just like, so wait, what happened? And I'm like, oh, this dude, he's fucking, he keeps fuck, trying to fuck with me. And he, he was heckling me, yelling at Ahmed, Ahmed. And uh, Don's just like, well, we should, we should go fuck with him. So now Don's banging on the window, looking at him, just like, yeah, get, get out of here, motherfucker. And the guy now looks kind of frightened because he's got the mad bull yeah, Don, angry. Don, Don can uh, put the fear in you. And uh, so the guy, Don goes, I think, you know, goes to smoke or whatever. And we're standing out front drinking still. And dude eventually walks out. It's probably about two hours later at this point. And uh, he walks out and run his easy, still primed, ready to go. He, you know, he's the quarterback of the comedy store. So he's ready to just throw down. He's like, hey, the, the guy's leaving, and uh, they just kind of scurry out the front, walk around the corner, start walking down the sidewalk, and then the dude just comes back and goes, fuck you, bitch. 
And then I was just like, what did he just say? And Steve's like, it's on. And then you see Don Barris charging from around the corner. And then we did followed. he tackle him or no, we followed the dudes down just past Katana. And we were just, we were rearing and ready to go. Like it just was a rumble. Gonna, we were going to throw it down. You and Don against those two. Yeah. It was me and Don. And, uh, it's like West side story. Those two and, uh, a dance and a lady. And the girl's just like, come on, guys, quit being guys. I'm like, dude, you got a fucking problem. Let's fucking settle the problem. The guy's like, no, man, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't talking to you. And like, well, who the fuck were you yelling fuck you bitch at? Yeah. No, I was just saying it to the club, man, because this club sucks <laughs> and you guys suck. I'm like, well, so we, we you yelled at a building? We represent the club. Yeah. I was like, listen, man, you can't fucking come here. And Don's telling if you ever come back here. We are going to fuck you up. Never come back here. And then uh, about maybe 30 minutes later, Dean Gelber, the old manager, comes yeah. up. And he's like, did you guys threaten some people? I'm like, yeah, we did. Why? He's like, some girl just called me and said they want to file a report that you guys chased them down the street. I was like, oh, it was those dudes that were heckling everyone. And I got into an argument with them and they yelled some shit at me. So I chased after them and. Don't ever chase people, bro. If they leave, if it's off the property now, you're the aggressor. I That reminds like, yeah. me, one time down in La Jolla, there was a, a couple next to the stage, and I, I guess I was too aggressive. <laughs> sure. And they had called and wanted to get me fired. or Yeah, that, that's... I they, had said something about them going home and fucking... Sure. Just something sweet. Yeah. But, something but, affectionate. But it clearly offended them to the limit of... Right. To the Never extent where they, where, where they called and said, I don't want ever want to see him here again. Yeah, that's what the girl wanted. She said she was there was a lot the of club. I got a lot of those phone calls. The store got a lot of those after that night <laughs> where they don't ever want to come back if I'm going to be here. Right. Just because of that three minutes on stage where... Just solid. Just I letting you, it flow. You just saw. I just saw red. Yeah, I, I, I was, I was just very angry, and uh, and I, I still I drank still back then, so yeah. I'd probably had some beers in me anyway. But it was just infuriating that I was. This guy was trying to tell me I wasn't my even business. Drunk. I was just. You know, I I never you drink. Just had if, that night. I, I never drink before I go on, but it was just the perfect storm. Right. So clearly, I wasn't happy with yeah, yeah. whoever I was at that moment. And you go into the night being like, "Oh, I'm I'm going to be on. I could be on Letterman if this goes well." And then yeah, it was just all not. it was all bad. I, every time I showcased for years, and this goes back to the I should have listened to you, a bunch of guys, you and Al Magical, and uh, a couple other people were really the ones who were always just like just come up with five minutes. As long as you have five minutes, you can showcase it. And I'm just like, no, I'm not. Yeah, Every time all, I did a showcase was, and they were five, I would do a showcase. And I would just crush them back. Like, that, that was it. And then they'd be like, you didn't, you didn't do any material. Like, yeah, you know, you're not going to have, are, are you bringing those people with you yeah. to the Letterman that, show? That's, like, that's oh, always, no. that's always it. They just want to, they want to be able to have a script of what you're going to say because that they just don't trust comedians, I guess. It's they, a, they, the old Bill they, Hicks. They want to protect their ass. Yeah. The old Bill Hicks issue of, wait, he, these aren't the jokes he told us he was going to do. Well, well, was was that his it. gig that night? He had a, a list and just didn't. Yeah. And then he didn't do it. And then he did Letterman first. 
and he went off and did some jokes about Bill Clinton or something yeah. instead. And they were just like, we can't air it. And then it was a big deal in the comedy world because Hicks was on the rise. Yeah. And then Leno was like, oh, no, I think it was the other way around. And he did Leno first. And then Letterman is like, well, you can come on my show and do whatever jokes you want. Yeah. And so he's like, okay. And he prepared a set and they passed it. And then he showed up and he did some of those jokes and some different jokes. And then again, they were just like, I, yeah, I don't think we can air that. Didn't they air it eventually? They aired it, but I think it was after he died. Yeah. It was like, uh, oh, here's the set that was not good enough before, but let's exploit his death now for our, our gain. Crazy, crazy, Rick. Yeah. And I mean, and I, I like Bill Hicks 25% of the time. I think 25% of his stuff is funny. Yeah. And then the rest of it's kind of preachy, but uh, uh, who, who are your... Who did you love? What comedians were you fans of growing up when you started comedy? Who did you? I, I still I still don't know that much about comedy. I mean, yeah. the I like Carlin. Sure. Of course. Bill Burr's crazy good. Great. Atel. Yeah. I love Joe Rogan as an assassin. Yeah. I like anyone who's just vested in what they're doing. Jim Gaffigan, Brian Regan, all these guys are right. monsters. I, I love what Sebastian has evolved into. I as well. I mean, these are, He's one of my these favorites. are all our peers, you know, Caparulo can just light it up. Yeah. These guys have found a voice and, the, and they lock it in. Yeah. And that, that's what I'm striving towards. I, I feel that there's moments of it. But I'm still never happy with with where I'm at. Yeah, I mean, you and I I'm both. A, I'm a great writer. I can write a right. joke, and I can I can weave it into a story and make a room laugh. But I I still don't think that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing on stage. I I don't I don't get the applauses that right. I probably would if I was talking about something a little more important. Right. I mean, not that you have to be. T I mean, I'm never going to talk about religion or politics, but I think there's some feelings I have that I've never even tapped into. Right. That it's like, you know, you're running out of time. You but, yeah. You, you, I'm the same way. I look at it like I'm capable of so much more. And I just I still haven't figured out exactly how to go about doing it. But I'm just trying to find ways to cut myself a little slack it's just i can write a, a great joke right i can put it in a spot where it can connect to something else but i mean i'm not moving the world yeah uh, no one's lining up to see me i mean you're i'm not, not, you're not selling road. out yeah madison square garden yeah. dice style or I, I i'm not going somewhere and filling up a theater right but and that's also because I just was never very good at playing the game. Selling, yeah. Just selling or all right, you gotta do this market, you know, four years in a row. It's like I, I, I do not want to <laughs> come back here again. And yeah. yeah, each time you do it, more people come. It's like I had a guy call me a couple of days ago and was like, um, uh, I got your name from a couple of people. I book a, a show up here it's a Friday and a Saturday and uh you know what's what what's your following like in Reno? I'm like, uh, I I don't know. I, I probably have two or three Twitter followers from that area. He was like, you don't think you would draw up here? I'm like, I mean, I. But Rick, I'll tell you, the same guy 
talk to me. Yeah. And I, I don't think, am I going to draw? I'm not on a TV show. Right. Uh, I did Comedy Central in 07. Uh, I shot an hour in September, but it hasn't aired. I mean, right. who's going to, are people going to come out in Reno to, to see me? I doubt it. Well, yeah. can you promote it? No. <laughs> I, I'm not, that's what I don't do. Yeah. I, I do not like telling people, hey, I'm going to be here. Come, come, come see me, see pay yeah. money, because then suddenly. Now there's more pressure. Yeah. Be good. You said you told you, us to come here. Right. Yeah. I, I, I spent up. 20 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I didn't. I didn't think you'd show up, to be honest. My best sets are when I don't have to be funny. It's like I love when I just. I went down to Irvine a month ago and just opened for Kevin Nealon. Oh, that's great. That was a blast. Yeah. I didn't, I wasn't. They're all there to see Kevin Nealon. They're Neyland, all there so. to see Kevin and the rooms were filled and yeah. that seems to be my ideal lane. Right. Let me do 30 minutes before the guy you're, you're paying to see. Sure. And then you'll, you'll remember me as well. Yeah. I, I don't know what my problem is and I don't really care because <laughs> yeah. I, because I sleep great. Yeah, and you, and you always do says, well. You know, everyone always asks, you know, when are you coming to Florida? Fucking probably never. Yeah, who knows? In five years, maybe? I feel all roads lead to L.A. Yeah. I'm at the comedy store a few nights a week. Right. I'm working on some jokes. Yeah. I probably should be finishing a script and trying to shoot a movie, but fuck it. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I, You're I doing well. I can't explain it, but I'm sure happy. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's really the key. I'm loving. I try and, I'm trying to be kind to everybody. Right. So what am I doing? I'm at the comedy store a few nights a week. Nothing I, wrong with that. I mean, that's, that's where I get most of my stage time still. And I'm so much happier performing here. And than it's I close. Am. I got yeah. my parking spot. Yep. And I, I'll have a beer after and all my friends are here. Yep. I don't want to go. I it's don't the wanna, clubhouse. I don't want to go somewhere for four I, nights in yeah, Iowa. I don't want to go to Wiley's in Dayton. And, and stay in a Motel 6. I'm just a yeah. spoiled brat. I want to golf. I want to play tennis. You're a Southern California guy, too. So it's like you started at the best. Exactly. And now it's like, what, am I going to Wichita? And yeah, I don't want to go to Wichita. It's miserable there. My name's on the marquee a year. here. That's fine. Yeah. I'll, yeah. Do, I'll do a strong 15 minutes and... People will remember it. Yeah. I had a talk show. I've been on TV. Yeah. I could be done right now. Yeah. I could retire right now and say, hey, I had a good run. Yeah, it's more than most people will ever have. Yeah, I had a great run. That's part of the thing about comedy that's great, too, is it's like you can just keep doing that. And you're still, you're doing something. You're doing what you love. I'm always writing. Yeah. I'm doing, I'm doing new jokes. You're great on Twitter. Yeah. Your Periscope stuff is funny, so. Yeah, it's funny, and it keeps me busy, and I'm I'm going to help with the arrest. and going to put, put someone behind bars for life, hopefully. Yeah. And, uh, and then someone, that, that'll someone, sell someone's itself. After, someone's after me. Someone has made some threats, so I'm living. Man, that's, that's how you know you're doing it right. Yeah. Once you're getting those threats. Once you have a serial killer that's pissed at you. He's periscoping how he's trying to find Kirk Fox as we speak. But uh, I think it's a woman. Is that right? Yeah. They're the most dangerous kind. Black well, widow out there. And always uh, female serial killers, they they last twice as long before they're caught. 
I believe they're it. gatherers. The men are hunters. Sure. Uh, the men they kill for sex or domination. Right. Control. Women always for money, power. Right. Perps, be aware. He's on to you. He yeah. knows exactly what oh, your plan I know, is. I know. I know who's. Uh, I know who's bad. <laughs> Um, where, where, uh, you're, you're at Kirk Fox on Twitter. Is that I'm right? I'm at Kirk Fox. Um, K-I-R-K-F-O-X. That seems to be enough. Yeah. That works out well. Or, uh, on Periscope. I go on a couple times a day. It's very, it's very I fill the world in on the case. Yeah. And uh, then we talk about some other things. <laughs> yeah. It's like, here's Kirk doing something, just normal day activity and, Chasing well, a serial it's killer. Never, it's never really just a normal day activity. If, if I'm somewhere, That's true. If I'm somewhere, it's with, it's relating to the case. Right. So I just sometimes I'll throw on the periscope when I'm at a stakeout. You're on the prowl. I'm always, uh, I'm always onto something. Nice. All right. Well, and uh, you're you're gonna be here. You're at the comedy I'm store. I'm at in the LA. comedy store. Come check it out. That's why I wanted to do this, uh, Rick. In all in all the years, we've we've rarely sat down and. Had an adult talk. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm weird like that. I, I, so am I. It's uh, uh, we needed to be locked in a room at the top of the stairs. <laughs> yeah, off the the darkest corner of the darkest building in Hollywood. It was the only way it was going to happen. This was my suggestion. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's 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 interesting. Like, no one would do the podcast for a while, and now they eventually people are starting to be interested in doing it. So I appreciate they, you They wouldn't out. do the podcast? Well, just be like, they'd say, oh, we're going to try and get so-and-so to do it. And I'd be like, okay. And I, I'm pretty much just kind of, I'm, you know, doing what I told. I told them I would host it and yeah. whatever. And, uh, and it's good. It's, it's good for you to actually do this. Yeah. Because it's probably the first thing that you've done consistently. Yeah. That uh, it's all part of it. It's yeah. all part of connecting to the world. And then people say, hey, I heard you. and. Yeah, and, and it is interesting. Like, I've known you for 12 or 13 years now, but this is probably the longest we've ever talked. And uh, No shit. It's like that for everyone I've interviewed so far. This is so the longest far. I've ever talked to anybody. <laughs> well, How uh, long were we on? 58 minutes? Man, it's uh, got to be pretty close to an hour. Yeah, we're an hour and 10 minutes. So hour and 10. We did it. A solid 60 nice. minutes. I feel we connected. We were honest. Yeah. We, we were present. The people are going to enjoy it, I think. You think? They they may check out early if it wasn't funny enough, but those who made it to the end. I know Bobby the Grease, Levington, he, he was always a huge fan. He'd always tell me, you know, Kirk Fox, he's funny. He could be like your older brother. And I'd be I like, know. Okay. We have to find something. Yeah. We got to find a sitcom. I'm, I'm all for it. Kansas, right? Yep. Two mustache. I'll Lawrence, grow the mustache. Lawrence, Kansas is where I met Matt Dillon. Oh, really? I was playing a tennis tournament, in Lawrence, Kansas. That's where at, I went to college. And he was filming Kansas. Okay. With uh, Andrew McCarthy. Right. And we stayed at the same hotel. I think the Edgemont. Yep. Very it, famous Lawrence Hotel. Was Got, it the Edgemont? Yeah, it's uh, right down on uh, Massachusetts Street. Man. Got burned down by the Confederates during the Civil War and rebuilt. I should go back. Yeah, but that's uh, that that's was, where, yeah, that's where I came from. I went from Lawrence to to Hollywood. See, so we didn't know that we could open with that. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, come out to the comedy store, see Kirk, see me, 
Lots of great shows all the time. Uh, 8433 Sunset Boulevard, Hollywood. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Kirk and I, we, we won't talk to you for that long if we talk to you at all, but someone will talk to you. There's I, always if someone If either here. of us, if I have a good set, I'll be out front and uh, <laughs> yeah. I'll probably say thank you. Yeah. And I'll I'll just immediately go hide in my car because I, I can't. Because he's already anymore. married. Yeah, he doesn't need you. <laughs> That's right. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, we'll be back next week, I'm sure. Appreciate it. Have a good night. Thanks, Kirk. Thank you, Rick. <laughs>